Welcome to Wannabe Clutter Free, formerly Wannabe Minimalist, the podcast for busy families who are tired of the chaos, fed up with being overwhelmed, and ready to enjoy life again. Each week, we talk about how to let go of the clutter so that you can focus on the things that actually matter. And it's not just physical clutter. We talk about the mental and emotional stuff too, because if it's holding you back, it's time to ditch it. I share what I've done in my own life to declutter, organize, and calm the chaos, but you won't just hear it from me. There are amazing guests too. It's practical, doable, and simple for those of us that want to be clutter-free. You know how life doesn't stick to a schedule? Well, why should your paycheck? That's where Earn In comes in. It's an app that lets you access the money you've earned right when you need it, not just on payday. Imagine this, your dog suddenly needs a vet or your kid has a little accident and needs a dentist, ASAP. We've been there and waiting for your payday in those situations just doesn't make sense and it adds unnecessary stress. With EarnIn, you can pull up to $100 per day or up to $750 each pay period directly from your earnings without the crazy fees or interest rates. It's super simple. Download the EarnIn app, verify your paycheck, and get access to your earnings as you earn them. You decide what to tip, and whatever you use gets settled on your next payday. More than 3.5 million users are finding relief and a sense of security with EarnIn, calling it a lifeline for financial stability. That peace of mind, it's priceless, and it could be yours. Ready to give it a try? Download Earn In today, spelled E-A-R-N-I-N, in the Google Play or Apple App Store. When you download the Earn In app, type in Clutter under Podcast when you sign up. It'll really help out the show. That's Clutter under Podcast. Earn In is a financial technology company, not a bank. Subject to your available earnings, daily max, pay period max, and location. See earnin.com slash TOS for details. Bank products are issued by Evolve Bank & Trust, member FDIC. Well, hey there, my friend. Welcome back to the show. My name is Deanna Yates, and you are listening to episode 188 of the Wannabe Clutter Free podcast. On today's episode, I'm talking about the sunk cost fallacy. This is an issue that almost everyone faces on their decluttering journey, and I mean everyone. Today, we're going to explore what the sunk cost fallacy is. We're going to talk about how it relates to decluttering and why it's so tricky and how to overcome it. But before we dive in, I want to remind you of the exciting announcements that I made last week. The first is that you can now become a supporter of this show, and that means you can directly support me each month, and for doing so, you will be granted ad-free listening. Pretty cool, right? So you also have the option to become an annual supporter, which comes with a discount over the monthly price and some really cool bonuses. I'll leave a link in the show notes if you're interested, or you can go to wannabeclutterfree.com slash supporter to sign up. Again, that's wannabeclutterfree.com slash supporter to sign up. And for less than a cup of coffee, you can stream all the episodes, 188 to date, ad-free, and ensure that I can keep bringing you amazing content. And now for reminder number two, I'm hosting a free five-day summit from January 29th through February 2nd. We've kicked it off and the buzz has begun. It is going to be such an amazing event. You can register for free at chaostocalmsummit.com. And of course, I'll link in the show notes as well. But again, that's chaostocalmsummit.com. And who is this summit for and what's it going to cover? Well, the Chaos to Calm Summit is for chronically busy moms who are tired of the mess and overwhelm and ready for change. 
Each day of the summit covers a different topic and we'll look at starting things right on day one, cover time management on day two, declutter on day three, organize on day four, and move forward with joy on day five. If getting your home in order is on your list of goals for 2024, well, you definitely don't want to miss out. It's going to be an amazing week and will be the perfect way to jumpstart your efforts, reinvigorate you, or help you with the momentum you've already built up. I'm always talking about inspiring you into action, and this summit will do that. I have an incredible lineup of speakers, and we are all so excited to come together for this very special week. So do not miss out especially because it's free. So grab your ticket at chaostocalmsummit.com. Again, that's chaostocalmsummit.com. And I'll have a link in the show notes so you can click right through. And invite a friend or two to join you because the more, the merrier. I know you can reach your goals this year and I am here to help. Okay, so those are my two big exciting announcements and reminders. Let's get back to today's show because the sunk cost fallacy is such a tricky beast, but once you see it for what it is, you'll be able to move right past it. So let's start with that. What is the sunk cost fallacy? Well, basically this is when we make decisions based on the money we've already spent, time we've already put in, effort we've already made, or resources we've already invested rather than its current or even future value. Did you hear all of those alreadys? Yes, it's all in the past. We think that we've already invested those resources into something, so we should continue to invest more resources. As I say that, it makes me think of a slot machine. Now, the odds are low that we'll win big on a slot machine, but you've already invested $5, 10 $20 in the machine, and so it's so hard to walk away. Your brain keeps telling you that maybe on that next pull, you'll hit something big, right? You'll hit some winning numbers, you'll get your money back. Maybe you could walk away with half of your funds now, right? Let's say you've put, you started with 20 bucks, you put 10 in, like, okay, well, if I quit now, I can walk away with at least $10. And logically, we know that makes sense, but you still think that you're going to hit something big. You'll walk away with heavier pockets. I mean, casinos are big business and they make lots of money, but someone's got to win, right? Well, no, actually they don't because the saying goes, the house always wins. That is what the sunk cost fallacy is like. The crazy part is that we might even be aware that it's not beneficial to us anymore. Just like when you're sitting there at the slot machine, you've lost half of your money. You know it's not beneficial to keep going, but that past investment is super difficult to overcome. So you might be listening to this and think, yep, this is something I struggle with. But if you're not sure, here are some questions you can ask yourself to see how the sunk cost fallacy can play out in your everyday life. Have you ever sat through an awful movie because you paid for the ticket to the theater or you rented it or because you're already halfway through? Have you ever suffered through a book just so you could finish it, even if you didn't particularly like the story or the characters? Have you ever held on to an investment that seemed doomed to fail simply because you already invested? Have you ever held on to something you don't use just because it was expensive? Yeah, that last one, I know that last one's hitting home for a lot of you because I hear you tell me that all the time. Other words I hear used are, I spent a lot of money on that. It's too nice to donate. It's worth a lot of money. Uh, I still have room for it. Uh, I can just put it in the garage. Okay, these sayings, this is our brain rationalizing, keeping things that we've invested in, even though we no longer want them. 
right? If you're putting something in the garage, you don't really like it. The garage is not a nice, neat, clean place. Generally, it's dusty. It's where our cars come in. It's where, you know, things go to die, basically. And so those aren't the things you really love and want and want to keep around you. Let's take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to talk about why it's so hard to let go of our things. And we're going to talk about something called the IKEA effect. This podcast is supported by Active Skin Repair, a skin health company helping people heal with natural, non-toxic, medical-grade ingredients. We've been using Active Skin Repair for a few months now, and I am seriously impressed. They use a molecule called hypochlorous acid, which is pretty much a superhero in skincare. It mimics your body's own immune response, helping to cleanse, soothe, and reduce inflammation to support the natural healing process. And let me tell you, it works for more than just scraped knees. Whether it's sunburns, rashes, or even more persistent issues like eczema or acne, Active Skin Repair has got you covered. The best part? It's totally safe and non-toxic. That means it's gentle enough for every skin type, from the little ones to grandma and everyone in between, making it the go-to for everyone in the family. I scraped my knuckle the other day while doing laundry, and my first thought was to grab the Active Skin Repair because one, it doesn't sting like other products, and two, I knew it would help me heal faster. So if you're looking for a natural, effective way to handle boo-boos, check out Active Skin Repair. And because you're a listener, you can get 20% off your order. Visit ActiveSkinRepair.com to learn more about Active Skin Repair. And to get 20% off your order, use code CLUTTERFREE. Again, that's ActiveSkinRepair.com and use code CLUTTERFREE to get 20% off your order. Feel like you're the martyr in your family? You're not alone. Hey, this is Joanne. And Brie. And we're from the No Guilt Mom podcast. Brie, we talk to a lot of moms. Yeah, we sure do. And if you're a mom who has a to-do list that is so massive that you get overwhelmed and you shut down. Or if you fall into the habit of doing everything for everyone and don't know how to change it, we can help you become a No Guilt Mom. We're going to take you from family martyr to family model. That's role model. So that you role model the behavior that you want to see out of your kids. You're going to go from being tired and overwhelmed to energized and guilt-free. Every week, you'll get actionable strategies that you can implement right away from the experts that we interview and from us. We also have a whole lot of fun. So check out the No Get Mom podcast everywhere you listen to your favorite shows. Welcome back. We see this so often in our stuff when decluttering because we spent our money to buy something. You know, it can be hard to find a replacement. Even if we don't love the thing that we have, we sometimes feel it's better than nothing. Or maybe we feel invested in it, right? That's where the IKEA effect comes into play. Nowadays, we are often active participants in building our future, a la the flat pack style of IKEA. So we tend to associate a higher value with those things, as was shown in a series of studies from 2012, and I will link in the show notes to these findings. In this series of four studies, after participants assembled IKEA boxes, folded origami, and built Lego sets, they, quote, saw their amateurish creations as similar in value to experts' creations and expected others to share their opinions, end quote. So effort, they had put effort in, and those participants were proud of their creations. That link in the brain makes things more valuable in our eyes and thus contributes to the difficulty of letting something go, even if the value of something is not what today is not what we spent yesterday for it, right? 
something has been used, there is a difference between the price you pay for something at the store because it is new and the price you are willing to pay for something when it is used, especially when you are the buyer and you have to remember that as the owner of these things as well. So often this leads to people wanting to sell their things to recoup some of the money they just spent, right? This is fine if you have the time, energy, and bandwidth to spend listing them, corresponding with interested parties, arranging times for purchase, and all of the extra work that goes into listing these things for sale. Look, I totally get it. But as busy moms with 9 million things on our plates, you know, we just don't necessarily have the bandwidth to do this for all of our things. And so that's why I only recommend that you sell items above a certain threshold dollar amount. Now you get to decide what that threshold is. You can decide what you're willing to spend your time on and know that anything you list will likely take at least one, but probably two hours. So make sure you calculate that when you are deciding your threshold, okay? And I know because I literally just sold a love seat this week. So we are in the process of upgrading our dining table. And since it's larger, the love seat that we had in our kind of dining room den kitchen space no longer fit uh, because this was a bigger piece. You know, a love seat's a bigger piece. I don't want to just donate that away. And I knew that it would sell very quickly. And it did. It sold within, I think, a a solid 20, like 24 hours from posting it. But because it was a bigger piece, I knew I would be able to sell it and I sold it for a couple hundred dollars. That to me is worth a couple hours of work. But all of the smaller things, I've been doing all this micro decluttering. Well, those things are just going to go to the donation center because I don't have time this week right now while I'm working on this summit and doing so many different things. I don't have the time to list all of those on my buy nothing group. It would be great if I did, but I don't. So it's okay. And right now I'm going to give myself that leeway and that grace and just go to the donation center. So how can we overcome the sunk cost fallacy? So I have a few different things that we can do. And the first one is to focus on the present moment. So when you are evaluating your things and decluttering, focus on if you are using something right now. Now, likely if you are decluttering, you are cleaning out a drawer, a cabinet, a closet, an area in your home that you don't actually use the things every single day, right? Generally, we're not having to declutter the things that we use because we're using them. (laughs) So this really is kind of the first moment where you have to come up to it and say, is this really useful? And maybe useful doesn't mean what I think it means right? It could be useful for sure. It's still, it's not broken. It works, but I'm not using it. So it's not, is it useful? It's, am I using this? And likely the answer is going to be no if you're decluttering something. And so you have to decide, is it worth the space it's taking up in your home and in your mind and in your life to keep it? So focusing on the present moment is the first thing to work on because the sunk cost fallacy really works in the past, right? It is saying, I've spent money on this already. I've already done this, right? We went through a whole list of alreadies at the beginning. And so the sunk cost fallacy is focusing on the past. Future potential, right? The just-in-case clutter focuses on the future, but they do go hand in hand because you're going to get something that you already spent money on it. You've already invested and you say, well, I've spent all this money on it. What if I use it in the future? Then I'm going to have to go out and spend all this money again. 
there's the middle ground there, right? We need to focus on right now because right now is all we have. We'll talk about that in a little bit more in the points that we get into, but we can't predict the future. And so we have to just go with what we have now. And is this something that you're gonna use this season in the upcoming season, this year? Maybe you have like a timeline that you say, okay, I'm gonna say anything I don't use within the next 12 months as I'm decluttering, I'm going to come across things and I'm going to have a maybe box. And then if I don't use those things within a year, then I will at least be able to move past it. But just really thinking about the present moment and that present moment could be not necessarily just today. Uh, It could be this month, this season, this year, and just give yourself that kind of a little bit of a leeway, but kind of this present time, right? Not past self, not future self. um, And looking at how what you have right now really contributes to the life you want to be living. All right, let's take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to look at the other six things you can do to overcome the sunk cost fallacy. I'm Margaret. And I'm Amy. And together we host the podcast, What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood. Margaret, I would say you're sort of a where are my keys kind of mom. Correct. Sometimes a where are my kids kind of mom. (laughs) Well, you're Amy more of a we were supposed to leave 35 seconds ago, mom. I mean, touche. In each episode of What Fresh Hell, we come at a topic from our usually completely opposite perspectives. I bring the research. And I bring kind of the gimlet eye. Like, is that research really going to work, people? And almost 10 million downloads later, we're still laughing. We also talk to experts in the parenting field, plus parents with stories we can all learn from. We make each other laugh, we challenge each other's assumptions, and we have what we think is the best parenting community on the internet. Check out What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood wherever you listen to podcasts. Are you overwhelmed by the things that get in the way of you doing what you want to do? Are you looking for ways to simplify life to better align with your values? Do you want to create space in your schedule so you have room for more of the good stuff? Play, joy, relationships, gratitude, and more? If you answered yes to any of these questions, I invite you to check out Edit Your Life, a podcast to help you edit the unnecessary from your life so you have more room to enjoy the awesome. Through episodes with me, Christine Co., and a range of super smart, compassionate, and thoughtful guests, You'll come away with big picture insights and practical ways to declutter your home, schedule, and mental space without getting bogged down by perfection. I have always believed that small moments and actions matter tremendously. My goal is to help you find agency and space in your life through doable baby steps that will leave you feeling accomplished instead of overwhelmed. Check out Edit Your Life wherever you enjoy your podcasts. Welcome back. Number two is to ask yourself why. So we want to make sure that we're not just tossing things because we're bored of them. And we don't want to continuously repeat the cycle of buy, then declutter, then buy, then declutter. So when you come across something that you look at it and you say, I don't use this anymore, before you declutter it, I still want you to declutter it if you're not going to use it. But before you do that, ask yourself why. Like, why don't I use this? And if you're not using something because you have a duplicate item that you love, then that's wonderful. That's an easy toss. That's an easy declutter. Go ahead and let go of that item. But if the answer is, I don't know, then 
take a moment and either really brainstorm it and think, why don't I use this? Maybe there are reasons. Maybe it's a piece of clothing and it doesn't fit right. Or maybe it's a screwdriver, but the handle doesn't feel really good. And so you always pick a different one because this one, you know, you just don't like how it feels in your hand. And Um, you know, or maybe it's a certain pen. You like a different kind of pen. This pen works fine. It's got plenty of ink, but you don't like, you know, it's a little too fine tip for you, or it's a little too round for you or, you know, whatever. So think about why you don't use something before you declutter it, because then it will also help you to not make that same purchasing mistake in the future when you are needing to purchase something again. You have this moment of this pause And we might forget, we're human, of course, you know, lots of things in our mind we might forget, but it also is a way for us to just at least put that pause in there and be more intentional. But if when you're asking yourself that question, the answer really is, I don't know, well then try to use the item and incorporate it into your regular routine. So this will help you know definitely if you like something or if you're really over it and you're ready to part with it. Now I have done this with clothes uh, that I have struggled with, right? I've, you know, going through the closet and you're like, oh, I kind of like it. I think I like that, you know, oh, but it goes with this really, whatever purpose or whatever reason you choose to keep something, I would purposely choose to wear those things as often as I could. If I'd put them in the maybe bin, like the next time possible, I would try to wear them. Now, obviously some things might be, you know, more dressy clothes. So you'd have to have the right occasion, but if I could wear it, I would try to wear it. If I started wearing that thing and I liked it and I liked how it fit and I liked how I felt after wearing it, well, of course it got to stay. But more often than not, having to wear something reminded me of why I was on the fence about it in the first place And it was so easy to send it off to the donation center. So if you find something that you're struggling to declutter and the reason you're not using it is because you don't have the time, well then take a look at your schedule and see if you can make time. If you're not willing to make the time and you're not going to use the thing, then can you let it go? But if you don't have the time now, but you want to actively work to build the time into your schedule, well then use that thing as motivation to stick to your plan. So let's look at this as an example. For instance, if you like to make jewelry or you want to make jewelry or you used to make jewelry and you'd love to get back to it, but life has just been busy, well, see if you can carve out an hour a week to work on your hobby and then use the jewelry supplies as a motivator to block out the time in your calendar. Put them in a place where you will notice them or, you know, even just hang one little piece somewhere where you remember it and it reminds you that you want to do this thing and you can make the time in your calendar. Now, a word of caution though, I came across someone on Reddit. Gosh, do I love a good dive into the declutter and minimalism subreddits, but I do digress. Anyway, the person in this subreddit wrote about how they have an electric grill press that they rarely use. A few times a year, they will intentionally plan to use it. They'll get it out. And then over the course of the next week, they'll make lots of meals with it. And then they'll store it away again until they pull it out for another week of meals. Now, to me, that kind of defeats the purpose because it really sounded like they didn't love the meals that they made with the electric grill. 
they never really said like, oh, I, it's a week I look forward to every year. And, you know, I really enjoy getting them out. I love those meals. I just, I wish I had more space for this, but you know, this works for me and I really look forward to it. No, it just honestly sounded like guilt. It sounded like they felt guilty for having this thing and they forced themselves to use it. So they didn't feel wasteful. Now, I do think it's okay to try this approach. So I don't want to just say this sounds crazy, don't do it. Definitely give it a try. But if after the first time you use the item, take a good look at it and see if it brought you joy or if you're using it out of guilt, right? Was it more of a pain for you to get it out and make the space in your home? Or was it something that you really looked forward to and having the scarcity of it, right? Only having it for a week made it that much more pleasant. Now we all do this and I'm going to tell you why in a minute, because can you, can you see when we do this? Every, every one of us, almost every one of us listening to this podcast does this. We all do it with our holiday decor. We store that throughout the year and then we bring it out. I bring mine out for about five weeks every year before packing it all up again. Now, Getting those things out brings us joy. We look forward to it. We celebrate that season. It has a whole meaning, right? There's a big culture around it. So it's very exciting um, and we really enjoy that part. So that is worth it, right? It brings the joy. But I have significantly cut back on how much holiday decor we have to cut that pain part out of the process, right? We have very simple lights. My husband and our daughter were able to put them up in like, an, I don't know, 45 minutes. Really simple. The tree, I keep the lights on the tree, so it's really easy to put up and take down. We decluttered more ornaments this year. So, you know, we try to take the pain out and bring the joy, right? Up the joy factor as much as possible. Minimize the pain factor as much as possible. All right, so that is number two. Ask yourself why. Why are you not using them? What is causing that? Dig just a little bit deeper before you declutter something and then making sure that you really know why you're keeping something or why you're letting something go. All right. Number three is to create a middle ground. So I talked briefly about the maybe box in my closet. This to me, the maybe box is their middle ground, right? It's a place where you can put things and hide them when you're bored with them. So this can help you reduce your waste. It can, it's kind of like a toy rotation for kids, but the adult version. All right. I mean, I know that's kind of sounds silly, but it's totally true. So if you have things that you are really on the fence about, put them in a maybe box package, box them up and then get them out. Now I do recommend looking through the box, especially if you're going to use it as a middle ground, because you're going to be able to have one removed yourself from that item. So your emotional attachment is less and then you're going to be able to decide with a clear head what you want to do with them. So sometimes when you get those things out, you'll realize you were just bored with seeing them over time. And now when you get them out, they're new again to you and it brings you joy and that feels fresh. It's a great thing to do in your wardrobe so you can kind of refresh your wardrobe just like we do with kids and their toys in a toy rotation. They feel like they get new toys. You feel like you got got to go shopping without actually spending any money. So yes, it might be an extra step. Some people might not need this, but it could work really well as that intermediary step, especially if you're new on your decluttering journey, because it's really hard to make those decisions. And the easier you can make that decision, especially when you're starting out with less consequences for if you got a little too extreme, it's going to be better because 
you don't want to have the backlash of then regretting your decisions. So, all right, that's number three, create middle ground. Nice and easy middle step there. Number four is to think in terms of cost per use. Now, I talked about this on my show with Allison Lombatis, where we talked about investing in some nicer pieces in order to help us reduce our cost per wear when it came to things in our clothes. And sometimes I can get a little hung up on how much I spend on things. It's just human nature. I spent X on something and that cost me a lot of money. But when I think about it in terms of cost of use, it can really help. So let's say I bought a really nice pair of jeans and they were a little more expensive, but I love them. I love how I feel in them. I wear them four times a week and they last me two years. I mean, let's just do that math real quick, right? Just quick math, 50 times four is 200, and they last me two years, it's 400 times I get to wear them. So if the jeans cost $200, that is 50 cents every time I wear them. Am I willing to spend 50 cents to feel amazing in a pair of jeans every single day? Yeah, sure, I am willing to do that. But you have to make sure you have the right thing, right? And that's where this cost per use comes in. So the more you wear something, the more you want to use something, and the longer you can use it or wear it, it's okay to invest in those pieces if you have that ability because they will last you longer, you will enjoy them more, and the cost per use will go down. So it makes it a much better investment for you. Number five is to shift the cost to the experience instead of the the thing. This one is such a game changer. So let's spin it on its head and think about the cost as being sunk into the experience of, of purchasing as opposed to the item itself. So for example, let's pretend I enjoy shopping. And when we went shopping for that pair of jeans that I just talked about in the last example, that I enjoyed the shopping process. It was a beautiful day. I got pleasure in acquiring the item. When I tried on the jeans, I felt great. The salesperson was complimentary. We had a nice little chat. The money went toward a pleasant experience. I helped the employees to have jobs. I So the people who sold it, shipped it, made it, et cetera, right? All of that that went into the item, if you think about the experience of that item getting made, going through the entire cycle and getting to you, you can look at it as supporting people, right? Your money is supporting the people that created the product. So we're investing in the creation versus just that thing. And so even if I don't want to keep the item, the money that was put into that purchase, it wasn't wasted. It was used to support creation, right? To support the people that made the thing. And so when you can think about it in those terms, instead of just it being this thing that you bought, let's think about the people behind the thing. It just makes it so much easier to say, well, I used it up. I got, my money went to this wonderful experience and helped so many more people. And so that is what I bought with my money, not just this thing. All right. I love that one. I think that one might be my favorite one on the list. All right. Number six is to decide to stop wasting your time. So consider cutting your losses, right? What is spent is gone, but we have control of how long we continue to accrue losses. So the longer you hold on to something that you don't want, that you don't use, that you don't need, the longer it has control over you and the less time you have for something you truly enjoy and love. 
Let's use those jeans as as an example again, right? If I have a pair of jeans that I don't love and I continue putting them on day after day and I look in the mirror and I don't really love them and I don't feel great when I leave the house, well, every day it kind of eats away at me a little bit, takes away a little bit of my joy. But if I just took the moment and went shopping and bought the jeans and found a pair of jeans that I loved, I would have a little more pep in my step every day. I would put them on and I would feel amazing. And just think of all of that time, right? If I'm letting go of something I don't like, those jeans that don't fit me right, and I get something that I do love, jeans that make me feel wonderful, I'm cutting that loss. I'm getting rid of the thing that I don't love and I'm enjoying something now, right? I'm I'm filling my life up with more positive experiences and more joy and more just everything that will just then exude from me as I go out into my day. I will feel better. That means I will be nicer. I will smile more. Smiles are contagious and that spreads joy to your whole community around you. So that one teeny tiny little change can really make a difference to all the people you come in contact to on a daily, weekly, monthly basis. <laughs> That's number six. Number seven, who gets a little doom and gloom? It's to think about the worst case scenario. Look, I like to stay positive. I'm, I will bring this around positive by the end of it. I know I will. But sometimes our brains need a good doom scroll to get over the fear. Ooh, the sunk cost fallacy is basically fear of the unknown. We know the thing we have. We feel comfortable with it. Yeah, maybe it's not great. Maybe it doesn't light us up. But we fear that if we get rid of it, we won't be able to get something like it again. Can I be honest with you? There are a few things that I am sad that I decluttered. But when I really think about them, I can see that it's more of the idealized version of those things than the actual thing itself. If I had those items in my possession today, right now, they probably wouldn't be here because I probably would have decluttered them by this point, right? So some of these are several years ago that I'm kind of sad about. I know you want to know what those things are, so I will share them with you. One is a pair of shoes that I left behind in the Czech Republic. So we were traveling and our carry-on luggage had become too full. Now the event that I brought the shoes for had already passed. So I went ahead and left them behind when that event was over. Now, I loved those shoes. I didn't get rid of them because I didn't love them, but I figured I would just upgrade them when we got back from our travels. I didn't see myself needing those shoes again, and so I left them behind. Well, then when we came back after traveling, we settled down, COVID hit. I never really found the time or the need to replace them. And although I still think of those shoes very fondly, it doesn't Like my everyday life doesn't suffer from not having those shoes, from letting those shoes go. So I'm okay. I can move on past them. Like, yeah, I love those shoes. If I found them in the shop, I probably would buy them again, but it's okay. They're just shoes. The other thing that I regret is selling our snowboard and snowboard boots. We had moved from Colorado to Chicago at the time. And guess what? Skiing is pretty dismal around Chicago especially when you come from the Rockies. And so we sold our gear. We had planned to live in Chicago indefinitely, and we figured we'd rent snowboards on the mountain since we'd be having to fly to get to a mountain anyway. Well, now that we live in California again, it would be super nice to have those boards back. We didn't know what the future held for us when we lived in Chicago, so it didn't make sense to hold on to something for that completely unknown future, right? 
They were taking up space. Snowboards are not small. Our apartment was tiny and we weren't using them. We had no planned purpose for them. And so it was worth letting them go. Now, since then, I actually bought my neighbor's old snowboard and it sparked more conversation with them about riding. So right now we are actually trying to book a trip together soon. Had I had my own board, we might not have even gotten into the topic of snowboarding and we might not have even known that. We definitely, you know, I don't know, definitely, but we might not have even had these plans in the works to go experience something together. So see how I turn this around? Yes. Of course, it's worst case scenario, if you think about it, to have to replace something that you decluttered, but you will have learned along the way what you value so that when you pair it with number five, again, which is shifting the cost to the experience instead of the thing, you'll realize it's not so bad after all, right? The experience of buying the snowboard and With that one, I think about the young couple that we sold our snowboards to and all the fun that they probably had on those boards and maybe are still having. I don't know. Or who else got to be blessed with those snowboards along the way that they then sold them to next? I don't know. Um, I choose to think about it in that term. And then also, had I not known, I wouldn't have bought my neighbor's board or, you know, had I not sold that and I had my own, I wouldn't have bought my neighbor's board. I wouldn't have sent them the video as a thank you because she gave me a great deal and she wouldn't have seen, like she texted me back. I was like, dang, you shred. Like we should get together. We should go sometime, right? None of that would have happened just through conversation. So really it's interesting the different experiences that you will be opened up to when you just let go of the fear of the unknown. All right, and I have some closing thoughts. I wanna leave you with this interesting thought from, this was from Reddit again, and the user was complex underscore Lingamberry2. Um, they wrote, and I quote, I wonder though, is this fallacy also a bit of the result of a sort of consumer's unconscious resentment? Have we been told that we need to consume? We buy, we consume. Then we need to throw away for various re- reasons, including planned obsolescence, So we then unconsciously feel resentful and want some of that cost back. Like a sort of side effect or downside of consumerism. It brings pleasure initially, followed by resentment, attachment, and guilt. End quote. That was, I just thought was a very interesting thought on the commentary on consumerism and buying stuff and hoarding on to things because we don't want to let them go. And once we have them, they're ours and the endowment effect and the Ikea effect and all these effects that come into play. So I just really thought that quote was interesting. So just think about things as we're buying them and making sure we're willing to let them go. When it comes to the sunk cost fallacy, though, I want you to know that it is possible to overcome it. So don't stress about wasting the past. Don't worry about what the future may or may not bring. And stop wasting time and resources now by focusing on your present. And with that, I want to turn it to you. Where does the sunk cost fallacy come into play for you? I would love to know. Send me a DM on Instagram or comment on this post and share it with the world. I'm wannabe clutter-free on the social channels. Or if you want to get more feedback, come on over to the wannabe minimalist family group on Facebook and share with the community. There will be a discussion thread for this episode, and we'd love to chat with you in the comments. And as always, thank you for joining me today. I am so grateful you're here, and I want to remind you of both the supporter podcast feed where you can get every episode ad-free for less than the price of a coffee, 
and make sure you don't miss out on the Chaos to Calm Summit. It's going to be five incredible days of learning from some amazing women about how to take back control of your home so you can stress less, clean less, and finally make your decluttering and organization dreams a reality. It's a free ticket, so there's nothing to lose. Go to chaostocalmsummit.com to sign up. Again, chaostocalmsummit.com to sign up. And finally, if you made it this far, I would be honored if you shared this episode with a friend. And if you want extra credit, you can also leave a rating and a review for this show. It only takes a minute and it means so much to me. So thank you so much for helping me out. And with that, I hope you have an amazing day. Until next time, keep decluttering, keep moving forward, and here's to letting go of the mindsets holding you back. I'm Deanna Yates, and you've been listening to Wanna Be Clutter Free. I'll see you next week. Cheers. No one told us the truth about parenthood. Why? This is the podcast everyone needed before they had kids because now that those little ones are here, there is a lot to unpack. I'm Rachel Shepardota, and I am your host for the podcast, No One Told Us, where we tell the truth about parenting and let you in on all the stuff you really should have known about before having kids. I am the founder of Hey Sleepy Baby, but this podcast is so much more than sleep. We'll be diving into all the topics that you really care about and need to know while you do your best job raising those adorable, tidy humans. Our goal is to just make you feel less alone and less overwhelmed. There are so many things that no one tells us before becoming a parent, and I think that we should really pull back the curtain on becoming a first-time or second-time mom or dad to share the good, the bad, and the ugly. We'll have a little education, a little fun, and a whole lot of heart that goes into each and every episode. So join me and our amazing guests each week to hear us talk about what no one told us.